I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We have been talking about the New Covenant, and we're going to continue that this morning. This is part 3 of the New Covenant walk. The New Covenant walk. And, and so Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he begins to share how he lives his Christian life. And how he walks through this life and the hope that he has and the pursuit that he has in his life. And he begins with a warning in in verse 1. And this is what we're going to read to begin with. Because if you're going to walk this walk out with Jesus Christ, you need to understand that there there are enemies of the cross. There are people that intentionally want to come and trip you up. They want to put you back under legalism. They want to put Moses back into your life. And this is a natural tendency for us to to want to have a good performance in the flesh. But I want to caution you about that because when it comes to falling away from the faith, when it comes to turning away from Jesus Christ, when it comes to not continuing in the faith and Jesus profits you nothing... In the book of Galatians, it wasn't because the believers were trying to live more sinful. They were wanting to be more holy. And as a desire to be more holy, they were told by these lawyers that you've got to keep the law of Moses. And if you would keep the law of Moses and believe in Jesus, then you would live a holier life. When Paul got wind of this, he was troubled for the church. And he believed that he had labored in vain and that their faith was now in vain. These people were genuinely in Christ, genuinely in grace. And they were rebuilding the structure of the law to which Paul says you will fall back under that condemnation and you will be lost. And so this is a severe thing. When God brings you into the liberty of Jesus Christ, don't let anybody take you out of that liberty. It is for liberty that Christ has set you free. And so he says in verse one, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe And I just say that Sunday school teachers and preachers and ministers, it's good to repeat yourself. It's really good to do it. It's good to often say the same thing over and over again because we oftentimes forget. Beware of dogs. These, this, this word means hounds. It's people that are bloodthirsty. It's people that can smell. They have a sense about where you are. They can sense your trouble. They can sense your need. And they're, they're sensitive to that in your life. And they're going to gravitate to you. Hounds are usually those dogs that will get the people that are straying behind. They're not staying close into the herd. And so that's always the danger of people that aren't really walking with the church of Jesus Christ. And kind of just doing their own thing. That's why I say don't be a Sunday morning Christian. That's pathetic. Follow Jesus every day of your life. And be committed to the body of Christ every day of your life. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. He's speaking specifically there about the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees that held to the law. Their circumcision, their whole faith was in their circumcision. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. And so this is what Paul is saying. You need to beware. You need to beware of these Jews that take pride in their circumcision. That they're the sons of Abraham because they've had their foreskins removed. And and Paul is saying, that's not who we are anymore. We've had our hearts circumcised. 
We've had something spiritual take place in our life. And he says in verse 15, Let us therefore as many as be perfect, which means mature, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. I am so glad there's a Holy Ghost. This has been one of the greatest revelations to my life, even though my whole life since I was five years old, I was born of the Holy Spirit. But it, I, I, I come to realize in my life as a minister, there is a Holy Ghost in the church. Not everybody that's in the church is born again. But everyone that is born again, God is your father. The Holy Spirit is your disciplinarian. If he can't correct you, I can't. And so I love what Paul says. Those of us that are mature, let's have the same mind. Let's realize that everybody in the body of Christ is not mature. Some people are going to have a different thought. Let God show them. But for those of us that have that mind, let's keep walking together. Let's not allow dissension or division to come in. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brothers, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. That's not just to the mature. That's to all of the brothers, whether you're mature or not. Paul is saying this, that I have a life in Christ. I'm an apostle. I have an effect in the church. So follow me. Don't, don't follow just anybody. Follow me. And so we should have a great regard for those that God puts in our life and over our life. You should have a regard for the pastor. If that is me right now. But one day it'll be somebody else. And you need to have a great regard for that pastor. So that you understand this is the person God has put in my life. To shepherd my soul. To speak the word of God to me. To protect me. To caution me. To warn me. And I'm going to follow that faith. And I love how Paul says that. That's an example that he's given. That's what you need to do. Arrogance and pride will not let you. But humility in the spirit of God will certainly give you that and that protection. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who mind earthly things. People who pursue holiness apart from Jesus Christ as the imputed righteousness of God, whoever they are, People who pursue holiness and righteousness outside of the new covenant are minding earthly things. And they are vain in their minds and in their imaginations. And we have to be very careful. These are the enemies of the cross. These are the lawyers that want to come in and take you from your liberty that is in Jesus Christ and put you back under the demands of religion or the demands of legalism. And get you to perform in your faith to do better, to be better, to pray better, to go to church better, to worship better. And it's all an emphasis in the flesh, which can never do it. It can never do it. So Paul says, this is who we are. We're not that. We're not enemies of the cross. We're not going to put you back under the law. We're not going to put you back under performance. And beware of those that do. Beware of the dogs and the hounds and... The concision, those that are circumcised, but this is who we are. Verse 3, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I believe if the Holy Spirit could speak to us this morning, that probably the overwhelming majority of us, he would say, you have too much confidence in your flesh. We like to agree with Paul, but our lifestyle does not. We love to consider how good we are in particular areas of our life. Or how good we may eventually be. Or how dedicated we are in our sacrifice. And Paul says, you know what? I have no confidence in myself. This totally goes contrary to a lot of modern teaching that's going around today. About who you are in Christ. And about how powerful you are in Christ. If you were to go around among these circles today and say, I have no confidence in my flesh, you would be rebuked by these modern prophets. They would rebuke the Apostle Paul. But Paul is not saying this in a, in a sense of defeat. He is saying this in a sense of ultimate victory. I've come to learn that I don't have any confidence in my flesh, and I don't have to. All of my confidence is in Jesus. And all of my confidence is in what Jesus has done for me and what God has imputed to me through Jesus Christ. And so this is the beautiful thing. So I ask, what are you? You're either a hound, you're the circumcision, you're, you're, you're geared to religion, you're geared to self-performance, or you have been delivered from that and come into the new covenant and you are a person now who has no confidence in your flesh, nothing to boast in, but all of your confidence is in God, and you worship God in the Spirit. And do you know what this means? It means that there were people in Paul's day, still today, I'll refer to Judaism, but whatever your religion might be, they would worship God on the basis of that religion. They would worship God on the basis of how good they did. And let's say they resisted sin really well and they overcame temptation and maybe they witnessed to 50 people and 49 people got saved and 40 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and I fasted three days this week and I really got close to God and I feel so good about myself. I feel so good about my Christianity that I can just go up into the presence of God and I can worship God. I can worship God because I've done so well. Then you are worshiping God in your circumcision. You're worshiping God in your religion. And your life is up and down, up and down, up and down. Because some weeks you don't witness to anybody. And some weeks, instead of having victory over sin, you're the victim of sin. You've fallen into it. And now when it's time to get into God's presence, you're 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 depressed and you're in despair and you're having such a hard time entering into God's presence because you're looking at yourself and you're looking at your performance. That's why the Bible calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, give thanks unto God. Why? This should be our constant demeanor because it is not based on our performance. It's based upon his. And if I have fallen into the mire of sin, or if I am dealing with the greatest depression I've ever known in my life, I do not worship God in the flesh. I worship him in the spirit and I can come into his presence through the blood of Jesus with whatever condition I'm in. And I'm going to come into his presence and I'm not going to live in despair and I'm not going to live in, in, in defeat even though I may battle it. I know the victory is getting into his presence and that's where I'm going. And so Paul says we worship God in the spirit so it's not up and down. It's not good days and bad days. It's a constant fellowship 
and abiding in God. And he rejoices in Jesus Christ. And he says this, that it's very possible for me to have a lot of confidence in my flesh. And if, and if any other man would think that he would have more confidence in his flesh, Paul says, I beg to differ, I would have more confidence if it's a fleshly thing. Because Paul was incredible in his flesh. I mean, incredible. Paul exceeded everybody in his flesh. Paul was the most religious man in his flesh. Paul was the holiest man in his flesh. He says this. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and is touching the law. I'm a Pharisee. And concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. And touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. I mean, so if anybody has a reason to boast in the flesh... And to feel like they have a right to God's presence because of the flesh. Paul would certainly say, I do. I certainly do. But you know what? All of that is worthless compared to the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All of it is worthless. And so he says that in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. The zeal that I had, being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee, as blameless in the law as anybody else. That's worthless to me now. Worthless to me. It got me nowhere. But he found in Christ, it got him everywhere. And Paul celebrated that. And Paul loved that. And Paul would live in that. And and this is who he is. He says in verse 9, And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness. And that's been the emphasis of what we've been talking about. Many of us want our own righteousness. We have no idea the severe destruction that we're causing upon our eternal destiny by wanting that. But many of us want our own righteousness. Paul did not. I want his I want his, and I cannot get it by the law or the practice of religion. I need it through faith in Jesus Christ. So read it again, verse 9. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I don't want my righteousness I want the righteousness that's of God, and it comes to us by faith. Praise God. Anybody can have it. Anybody can have it. Because all that is required is to believe God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, and what God has accomplished through Him. And God will give you the righteousness, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ... And now because of that righteousness, you can worship God in the spirit. This is so hard for our brain. But you can literally right now come into the presence of God as innocent as Jesus. As righteous as Jesus. Right now. Because God made Jesus that to you. But how many people don't come in? So so why would I let depression keep me from rejoicing in God when he's done that for me? Why would I let my sin... That maybe I'm very aware of. Maybe I fell in this week. Why am I going to let that keep me from his presence? Because his presence is my salvation. 
So I'm going to enter into his presence with joy and with thanksgiving because of what God has done for me through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to forget the things that are behind me. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget yesterday. I'm going to forget the past week. I'm going to forget my past life. I'm going to forget all of my accomplishments and all of my failures because Christ is before me. And that's who I'm going after. He's my goal. He's my passion. He's my life. And this is what I desire with all of my... That was Paul's desire. So this is what he wants. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. I mean, come on. I read this verse and I need an altar. That is not my testimony. And I would caution you of thinking that it's yours. Suffer the loss of everything for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some of you couldn't even give your tithe today. I mean, come on. What is it about Jesus Christ that's so wonderful? What is it about Jesus Christ that's so compelling? It'll get you out of bed on a Sunday evening to get to a prayer meeting. What is it? Can only know that by the Holy Spirit. Can only know that by the Holy Spirit. But Paul, by the Holy Spirit, knew Jesus and understood Jesus in such a phenomenal way. And this isn't early on in his Christian life. This is much later in his Christian life. And he said, I suffer everything for him. For the knowledge of him. 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 Not the theology of him. Not the religion of him. Not the church of him. Him. It's him. It's Jesus It's not something else. It's not his miracles. It's not his outpourings. It's not what he has the ability to do. It's him. And so many Christians today serve God and get excited because there's an outpouring. And where are you when there's not an outpouring? It's him. It's always him. And so he says this. I want to win him. I want to be found in him. Not with my own righteousness. It comes by the law. But that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Oh brothers I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind. I'm reaching forth to the things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, and, and this, is, this is what we want. This is the walk of the new covenant. 
Right here is the walk of the new covenant. It's right there. I'm not pursuing my own righteousness. I'm not trying to make myself personally holy. I'm not trying to gain the favor of God or the acceptance of God through some work that I might do. I am believing that I have his acceptance and his favor because I am in Christ Jesus. And now Jesus is everything to me and I don't have to have confidence in my flesh. I have confidence in him and I have confidence in the Holy Spirit. And oh, I want to know him. I want to know him and I'm not going to let anything trip me up. I'm not going to let the mistakes of my past or even the successes of my past get in the way of knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to do that. I want to know him. I want to fellowship with him. I want to suffer with him. I believe he's coming again. I believe in his resurrection. Uh, and, and in all of that, my one chief desire, the one thing that I want, I want to know him. Then he says this beautiful thing that's got to be encouraging to us all. I haven't attained it yet. That's hopeful to me because just a moment ago when I said I needed an altar. Because I know I haven't attained it yet. But Paul's saying he hasn't either. I haven't attained it yet. And, and or apprehended it. And that word is to be taken by, by being seized upon with a purpose. And, and, and God has taken a hold of Paul. He has seized upon him. And he has turned him with a purpose. And Paul says, and I know what this is. And not only have I been apprehended by God, I apprehend it. God has taken hold of me. And likewise, I have taken hold of him. There is no division between me and God. I'm not fighting what he wants for my life. I have submitted myself to it. And now I'm apprehended, but I'm also apprehending. And I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfect. I'm not complete. This is a different word for perfect. When he says a little bit later, all that are perfect be thus minded. That means maturity. But this perfect means when absolute completion of the task is performed. And Paul says, I'm not there yet. Not only have I not attained to this, I'm still not perfect. But I don't let any of that discourage me. I don't let any of that stop me from walking after God, running after Jesus Christ. I forget the things that are behind and I keep going after him. I keep going after him because I believe in a rapture. And if you're in the new covenant and you're living by the grace of God, Titus chapter 2 says that if you're living by the grace of God, the grace of God teaches you about the rapture of the church. That's Titus chapter 2. But in Philippians chapter 3, Paul says the same thing. And if you look at this, he says it in verse 14, I press toward the mark, the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that prize? Of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Now the word high calling means the upward pull. We will also see in just a moment that it means the rapture. Paul's living for the coming of Christ. You can't deny that in any of his epistles. He's living for the coming of Christ. He believes in the rapture. He believes in the sudden appearing of God where the dead in Christ are going to rise and they who are alive on the earth will be caught up together to meet them in the, in the air. 
And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So what is the prize? I will finally be like him. Because that's what my faith wants. It's not my desire to just escape hell and go to heaven. I want to be like Jesus. And I'm not that yet. I'm not perfect. I haven't attained. But when he appears, John said, when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's the the goal and the joy is that such oneness with God. I'll be like Jesus. I'm not talking about God's status. I'm talking about perfect humanity. Glorified humanity. I shall be like that. And then he goes on. And he says this. Which is so beautiful. This prize. This high calling of God. Which means this upward pull. This catching away. This rapture. That is going to happen. And this is what we want. And this is what we're pursuing. And this is what we're going after. Paul says, I want nothing else. I want want to ask you a question before I move to the last thing. And the question is this. Paul says, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He found everything that he could ever want in Jesus. I want to ask you a question. What is it that you need right now to be fulfilled? When you pray, what is the overall yearning of your prayer life? If God would just do this for me, what is it? Is it to know him? Or is it a healing? A deliverance? A direction? A financial blessing? This is where Satan beats most Christians. Because they certainly want more than one thing. And it's there that Satan is going to accuse God to you. If God loved you, he would have done it. And you get bitter. You get upset with God. You get angry. You listen to the devil. And you begin to wonder if God really loves me. Because if he loved me, he certainly can do it. I don't know why he's not doing it. And that was last week's message. But if there's one thing I want. And that's to know him. Then God never fails me. Because everything that comes into my life is the opportunity to know him. If it's the power of his resurrection or it's the fellowship of his sufferings, it all comes into my life to help me know him. Everything. So what is it that you need? And it's not that God is is unconcerned about your needs. He certainly cares about your needs. He loves being God. He loves healing you. He loves delivering you. He loves answering your prayers. He loves your prayer request. He loves all of that. But what do you need? To be complete. What do you need. To be fulfilled. And when it's this one thing. You're invincible. If that one thing is Jesus Christ. I want to know you. I want to know you. 
And so everything else, as Paul would say, is like dung to me. And so I want to come to the conclusion of this, verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then if you would notice in verse 20. For our life is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body. 1 Corinthians 15, the rapture. Who shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Winning the prize of the high calling. I'll finally be like him. Fashioned like to his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What are you struggling with? What is it? Are you privately drinking? Bad temper? Pornography? Cursing? You're in a besetting sin. You're fighting it. You're wrestling it. You hate it. You despise it. You beg God for victory. And yet it seems to be delayed. Other things in your life you've experienced freedom from and you have testimony about. But then there are other things in your life, multitudes of things in your life that keep setting you back. God is able to subdue those things unto him and he will at the rapture. In the twinkling of an eye, he is going to absolutely make you incorruptible and immortal. Without any struggle with sin, without any struggle with temptation, and without any conflict with your flesh, ever again, God's going to do it at the rapture of the church. That's what Paul's saying in Philippians chapter 3. That's what verse 14 talks about, the upward calling. That's, that's this, this seizing, this pulling away, upward, out of here, meeting him in the clouds, because our life is in heaven. That's where our life is. And, and, and you can take that a lot of different ways. My Jesus is in heaven. That's where I'm looking. That's who I want. And, and so I'm looking for him to come. And what is this great hope when he comes? He's going to change me. Praise God. He's going to completely change me. And that is the hope of the new covenant, beloved. The hope of the new covenant is not, okay, now you've gotten a new start in Jesus Christ. Go live your life and don't ever sin again. But the hope of the new covenant is now that God has imputed to you the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is coming to your life to be your father, to discipline you, to chasten you, to teach you holiness, to teach you to walk with God. He is in you to do it. You look for the coming of Jesus Christ because you're going to realize you're not perfect. You're going to realize you haven't attained it. But bless God, your life from heaven is coming, Jesus Christ, and he's going to change you and you're going to be given a body like his. Perfect. Oh, bless God. Perfect. And that's why Christians should be the happiest people in the world. Because maybe today is the ultimate deliverance. Ending the battle over sin. The battle over flesh. Because Jesus comes today. And we go home. Why do we go home? Because we worship God in the spirit. And if I worship God in religion, like so many people do, I probably wouldn't want Jesus to come today. Because I'm not ready. Ready. 
But if I'm in the new covenant, then I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I say, oh, God, come. Come. Because all of my hope is in you. All of my hope is in you. All of my assurance is in you. Don't let any lawyer put you back under the law. Because then you fall from grace. You stop living in faith and you begin to live by works. And you're in great, great danger if you do so. Carla, would you come? And so I just point you to this. Paul has suffered so much for Christ. He's not going to let anything take him out. He's living for this moment. That's the new covenant walk. I'm living to know Jesus. I'm living to worship in the spirit. I'm free. I'm walking a walk. Understanding I'm not perfect. I haven't attained to it. But Jesus is coming. My life is coming. And when he comes. He shall change me. I shall be like him. And it doesn't mean I can live however I want to live now because the Holy Ghost is in me to teach me how to live holy. And he won't let me get away with sin because I'm born again. Because I'm born again. He lives in me.